Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Unafraid. I am Jay, your host, even though at the bottom of the screen there it says uh, Jason, I don't know why I can't get Zoom to change that for me. Um, but yes, we're back and this is another video and audio episode, which is extra exciting because people can actually watch it on YouTube and Facebook and it's just a lot of fun. And I have a wonderful guest today, but before I introduce him, and I know we're all anxious to introduce him, I do have to give a big shout out to the show sponsor, Rebecca Jonesy, who is a fiction author, a dear friend of mine, and a great ally to the queer community. Uh, Rebecca has made it so that I can keep producing this show even through the pandemic when I was not able to work. Um, so really, she is a lifesaver to the, the show and, and to me. So thank you. I love you, honey. You're amazing. Um, let's see, anything else big going on? I'm doing all sorts of cool embroidery, guys, but I'm not going to bore you with the details today. I will post pictures later to bore you on Instagram, so we'll, we'll do that. But I am super, super excited about our guest today. This is someone that you may have seen on this really obscure little talk show that I saw. It's called Ellen. You may not even have heard of it, but um, this is the great Aiden Dowling. How are you today, sir? I'm good. How are you, Jay? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. I love talking people up because I like to, I like to watch your reactions and see <laughs> if it makes you happy or makes you like cringe a little bit. <laughs> well, I, I love, uh, I'm a pretty like big into comedy. So if it's laughing, I'm there. I, I like the, the, happy, playful side of life. So, um, so I actually have my first thing is I want to ask you a question first. Yeah. Okay. So are you wearing sweatpants right now? Oh, we're going to go, we're going to go there. I'll tell you what, well, you see, I'm wearing, I'm wearing the sport Look, coat. I'm wearing, very classy. wearing the button up. Well, let's, let's see here. We, we've got, uh, Oh, there we are. See the pajama pants. See, that's what I was, I was thinking that was. Uh, yeah. Um. <laughs> my, my wife actually walked in here not long ago and she was like, I just, I love everything about this outfit. <laughs> and you guys great. usually can't see that. I'm also wearing a socks with slides right now too. So. <laughs> nice, nice. Yes, I'm a no shoes. Uh, I've got socks on, but I'm no shoes kind of kind of house right like we're like we're the house where you take your shoes off oh, unless yeah. you're a, a child like a toddler you can't really control them so. all right i like it well it's it's really really good to finally meet you i mean we've been chatting back and forth on email and for the the few people that may not know who i'm speaking to right now could you tell us maybe just a little bit about yourself yeah um five foot five green eyes um, <laughs> um what's the, what's the bicep measure measurement right now oh right uh <laughs> we've we've cut off the the measuring here we've, we've grown a more a better healthier relationship with our bodies in the last you know four or five years which is so great um but yeah so i'm a transgender activist i have a nonprofit called point of pride and that serves trans people with uh, gender affirming care as far as garments and surgeries, uh, procedures, so trans people can live more authentically in their bodies. And I do, you know, I, I kind of call it like, you know, influencer activism, I guess. So I, you know, have a YouTube channel and I do Instagram and I try to promote positivity and uh, seeing other versions of 
the transgender story. I'm a transgender man. Uh, as you said, I was on Ellen DeGeneres because I was the first transgender man on the cover of Men's Health Magazine in 2015, which was so awesome and feels so long ago. Um, but uh, sadly enough, there still has not been, um, well, actually, I guess not on the cover of Men's Health, but uh, Elliot Page was just on the cover of Time. Was it Time Magazine? I think it was Time. Yeah, so I so before that, I was the only ever trans guy on the cover of a magazine. So I'm happy that there are more. There should be so many more. Um, and yeah, and so right now I do uh, coaching, uh, fitness and life coaching. Um, and I just kind of do my thing, do my thing, just try to be an activist for the trans community and um, progress us in our, in our self future, seeing futures for ourselves, happy and positive. And uh, convincing the government that uh, we are worthy of rights and protections. That's kind of the latest thing, um, unfortunately, that the trans community is going through right now. Well, yeah, just the idea that any, um, any human should have to convince the government and society that they are worthy of anything is, uh, yeah, but we, we won't get too, I mean, that's, that's too dark. That's towards the end of the show that we get okay. to the darkest. Okay. You go down the hole? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> down, the, down the hole, the further we go. Um, but no, I, you know, you, you, you jokingly said you're, you're an, kind of an, an influencer activist, but it makes, it makes perfect sense to me because when, when my egg finally cracked a few years ago and I realized that I, I am a trans person um, and I'm 40 and I look like this old kind of chubby white dude, I was like, okay, you know, where do I go from here? Um, and immediately I wanted to get more in touch with the community and do things to help the community. And so I was like, you know, I, I'd love to chat with people on a podcast and just try to share some love with everybody. And, and I really enjoy doing that. But I can't reach nearly as many people as you can. So you can do these same kind of things, talking to people on podcasts, going out and doing a, a you know, a speaking tour and these things and reach, you know, potentially millions of people with your message. And and that's no joke. I mean, that is that is amazing. That's incredible activism. So I am, I mean, you're you're a hero of mine. And and so and I'm old. I mean, I, I think I may have just one or two years on you, maybe a little <laughs> bit. But what's what's that like to be? I mean, you know, because I've gone through and watched a, a lot of your your uh, previous media appearances and. You're just, you're always so natural. You seem so happy. You seem to just roll with everything. And is, is that, is that you? Is it, is that just how you are? You know, it's so interesting because I, like people who knew me before transition are like, you've changed. And I'm like, well, I hope I've changed in the last 10 years. But aside from that, um, it's like, when I think about who I was before I transitioned, I always think of like a very timid lesbian who was more quiet. But then like when I talk to my mom or I talk to my old teachers and they're like, you stood out so much and you like, you know, you, I always wore whatever I wanted, even though people looked at me weird. I was like, you know, I, I, I was very proud of who I was, even though I think I was faking it or something. I don't know. Cause when I think of myself, I think of like, I was so depressed, so shy, like I did not want to be the center of attention by any means. Um, and I don't know, maybe just transitioning, I just kind of, I think I hit a moment where it was like, 
okay, I'm either going to like, and I know we didn't want to get down the radical, but you know, no, you're fine. we're going to go in and out. That's kind yeah. of what I feel like real life is really about, right? It's like one moment you feel like terrible and the next moment you're like, life isn't that bad, right? And it yep. does flip and flop in an instant. So um, I think it was like, yeah, just like I could either, I had this thought of like, okay, I could either just get old and be this like old lesbian with like my polos and, uh, you know, be, be okay, but not happy. Or like I could transition and just like go in. Like if it was kind of like, if everyone's not going to like me anyway, cause I'm trans and like, let's just do all the things that I wanted to do. Right. Um, and, and that's kind of, I, I definitely still have a lot of, I've been working on myself a lot, a lot of self realization work, a lot of self, uh, you know, self help, so to speak. I've read uh, many books of just like trying to be happier with who I am, accept who I am, and, you know, really try to look at the positives. Um, but to say that that's who I am all the time would just be a lie. If my wife was here, she'd be able to fill in a lot of those gaps. Um, but I feel like, especially when I'm doing media, it's like, oh my gosh, how can I complain? Like this guy, like, like Jay asked me to be on this podcast. Like, I mean, how can, how, like you want, like you feel as though I'm worthy of this time, not just for you, but for the people <laughs> watching and listening. It's like, how can I show up and just not feel grateful that that is where I am in my life, right? So I just, I don't know, I see some people who are just like making fun of, people who, who follow them or this, and I'm like, how can you, I don't know, like there's, there's a gratitude that's missing in a lot of people. Um, and I think I just try to lean on that, right? Like, you just, you just seem like a genuinely wholesome guy. And it's just, it's a really cool thing. And, you know, the, the, um, the, the producer for this episode, um, Abby Stroop is a good friend of mine and his is hiding in the in the background. Um, she actually told me five minutes uh, before you came on, she was like, so I was kind of uh, stalking Aiden a little bit online and holy cow, he is a hunk. And I was like, yes, he's a really good looking guy. <laughs> he really is. And, uh, and usually I, I don't feel that bad, but you come on with, and it's, and it's not just your looks and it's not the fact that you've got the men's health body, which I am a little jealous of actually, but it's just, it's the smile and it's the crinkle in the eyes and it's that positivity um, that you're putting out for the world. That's just amazing. And I know it's not all the time for you because I've, I've heard you talk on, on other shows about, uh, you know, dealings with um, suicidal thoughts and, and depression. And that's something that's really near and dear to my own heart because it's been a big problem in our family for a couple of years, not only with, with myself. Um, you know, I had a, a suicide attempt maybe four or five years ago. And then my, my kids have <laughs> unfortunately uh, inherited uh, some of the same mental health issues that, that I struggle with. And so um, it's something that's very serious to us and it's very important for us to talk about and that the world knows about and knows that this isn't, this isn't an unusual thing. This is an everyday thing, um, especially for queer people, especially for trans kids. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how transition and, and maybe how accepting that, that you're trans 
changed a little bit of your mental health if it if it did? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, now that we're going dark, we might as well, I right? I was just saying, I was like, this is not what we said. We were <laughs> it's fine. Like, the light and the dark, right? Like, this is how it goes, okay? The sun sets and rises. So, um, and, and maybe we'll come out of the hole. Maybe that's actually where this, like, right? I hope so. I hope so. I'll ask you about gummy bears or something at the okay, last yes, question. Okay. And then that's, yeah. Or a little key. Um, so I think like for me, uh, as far as just when I found out that transitioning was an option in life, I, it just was like, you know, like the clouds part and the angels sang and like, you know what I mean? It just, and like the stars fell, like it just, it was this moment of like, like literally I remember being like, wait a second, that's an option? Like that's can happen? Cause it kind of was just like, like the puzzle piece, like that generic saying of, oh, the missing puzzle piece, like, but it really was. And some people are like, oh, so what, you just like wake up one day and be trans? And I'm like, I think that actually like a lot of people do wake up one day and they don't decide that they're trans, but they wake up and they decide that like, today is the day I'm going to start actually living my life. Like the real life, the life that I know I was supposed to be living. Right. And that does happen in somewhat of an instant. Like you just kind of have this epiphany moment. And then of course there's struggles to get to that, whatever that life for you looks like. Right. And maybe there's some setbacks and moments, but we all make that choice to, this is it. Like, I'm going to live my life. And as I was saying before, it was kind of this moment of like, so I had a lot of gender dysphoria that I couldn't name. So that once I started transitioning, you know, and I, I decided to take the steps of medically transitioning, I, I was going to not medically transition at first. Um, but then it kind of was like, okay, like I need, like, this isn't working how I want it to. Like I need, I really need, those secondary male characters, like I need to look in the mirror and see what I envisioned in my mind. So I started hormones and I mean, so much of that sadness and the, the heaviness of gender dysphoria started to go away, right? Not all of it, but a lot of it. Um, and then I think, you know, just this concept of like, uh, like, this is it, like, I'm okay. We're like really getting deep here. So I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> at some moment, I kind of thought this, and it's, and you know, I kind of thought of this, and it was like, even if I have like the love of my life, which thank God I found, even if I have like my partner next to me on my deathbed, and we're holding hands like in the notebook, and we're like taking our last breaths together, like, when I close my eyes, like, it's actually still just me. Like, it's just me. Like, right now, you are here, but it's actually, like, just me, right? And if I can't be okay with that, then I will internally be miserable in the sense of, like, no one else, I had this moment of, like, I think early on in my transition that, like, nobody else is going to satisfy this for me. Like, I need to be good with me. And then, other people can make me feel good and make me laugh and make me have all the beautiful array of emotions that come with life. But like, if I'm not good closing my eyes on my deathbed, like, what am I living for? Like, what is the point of what I'm doing? And I think that kind of just steamrolled everything else into just like, 
kind of having an attitude in the beginning, I think that was more of like, uh, like I'm going to do what I want. Maybe like, uh, maybe a little like bullheaded, you know what I mean? Um, but I think it, it got me to take the courageous actions that I, I wouldn't have taken just, you know, a year earlier when I wasn't identifying as trans, when I was just living as a female in the world. Um, so I think that, you know, those, that, those, like that bullheadedness got me kind of through the hard part. And then I was able to kind of be like, okay, like now I can start to actually work on that part of me and start to really like heal it and not so angrily be like, if you like, I'm going to do what I want. And if you don't want to be in my life, well then get out, you know? Um, and then it was more like, okay, like maybe I should like cool it down a little bit. Like, you know what I mean? Um, be open, start to like myself instead of like assert myself. Right. I, yeah. You, you know what I, what I love. And, and speaking of darkness, I like how you threw in, the saddest scene ever in a movie into that, into that speech from the notebook. I'm like, just thinking about that makes me want to cry. Do you think our love could take us away together? Oh my God, really? <laughs> but, but anyhow, what, what I love is that you're a younger man and you're the kind of role model that I want my kids to be able to see in this, in this upcoming generation, people who think the way that you do, that are progressive and that, are, that aren't, you, you refer to yourself as being a little bullheaded, but that's not really how I see it. I, I see you accepting change all around you and, and moving forward. And I just, I think that's so important for this younger generation and for my generation. And I think I'm kind of right at between Gen X and, and millennial, 1980. Um, but I, I think that's important for us, this generation, to start seeing that change too, because I think that there is still a lot of fear out there um, in society about queer people, about trans people specifically. I think that a lot of, you know, the cishet society, uh, cisgender, heteronormative society is starting to accept that there are gay people, there are lesbian people, there are bisexual people, but transgender people is, a, they're a little bit more difficult, I think, for, you know, heteronormative society to accept. And then the thought that, you know, one of your kids could be transgender. I think that, you know, when, when my mom found out that I am not a cis man, she thought that it was something that happened to me or something she did wrong. Um, almost as if it's some type of affliction. And, and I don't think that that's unique to her. I think that that's, that's widespread. You know, what do we do to, to try to work on changing this, this strange narrative that, go, that surrounds transgender people? What do you think? Sorry, that's, that's a big question. I know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, well, I think that I, th I see it as two sides. So there's the, um, parental side of like I have a kid now right as you're saying you have children like you do and I have, I have a better understanding now of trans kids parents <laughs> who have a hard time grasping um, because it's like as much as I don't want to 
I, you imagine like, what is your kid going to be like, even just a year from now, you see, I, I, my, my antler, like he's two and I look at four-year-olds and I'm like, oh, I wonder what, I wonder what he's going to be like, like, you know what I mean? Like what movies is he going to like, right? And so it's like, and then you can't help but think about like, oh, I wonder what he'll be in in high school. Will, be, uh, will he be like on the robotics team or will he be like playing sports or maybe he'll be like an engineer. I don't know. You just think of all of these things, right? Um, even though I'm trans and I know I'm like, well, you can't, you can't assume anything. You don't actually know. And so that door is always open, but I think just we attach ourselves to our kids. I think it just is what happens. I don't know if it's something that helps us want to protect them for longer than just like when they're two and you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm just going to go into the woods and leave you there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, or maybe when they're a teenager and you're just like, you know what, just leave, just go like get a job. You know, I don't know if these are how we attach ourselves to our children um, in like maybe a more like uh, old school way, but um, so it happens, right? So we pretty much what I think I'm trying to get to here is that how our kid turns out we feel is a direct reflection of us. And in some ways it is, like in some ways it very much is, right? And so what I've learned is that when parents think that something was like something happened in that child's life or they did something wrong, I think it usually like, it's just a fear that I think comes from the fear of them thinking about the world and how they're gonna take my gay or my trans kid into the world. And so it's like this like loving, it comes from a loving place, but it's expressed in a very like, you know, not necessarily always a loving place. Cause you want to hide them away. You want to like, you know, you, you want, you don't want them to express themselves because you, you have a fear as the parent that if they express themselves in the way they want to, they are going to get bullied. They're going to be singled out and taken advantage of or whatever, might happen to them so you you try to suppress them and you're like no, no no like you can't wear that and you can't do this and you can't hang out with those people right because you're just trying to protect them but you're not really protecting them in any ways because they're not being who they are and so now you're developing all of these other issues that maybe they wouldn't have right like if they went out and had the bully maybe there'd be some other issues there right so it's like this give and take so um i think there's that layer of just like parents have to detach from their children like your child is not your child. It's a being that you help raise and is a part of your family. And maybe you have a biological reference to them and maybe you don't, but they are not you, right? And so like, they're gonna make their own choices and you have to do what's best to protect them from not like, like I always say, like I have to protect Anna from running into the street and getting hit by a car, but I have to protect him from a dress right or a barbie doll like because he's biologically male right so like there there there's the right way to protect your child and the wrong way to protect your child right um and it's not like well if he runs into the street gets hit by a car like he'll learn not to run in the street anymore right <laughs> like, well yeah that's one way of teaching your kid right he'll learn because he's dead but right know. exactly exactly <laughs> um and so um so there's that like detachment i think that parents and like i'm trying to i'm trying to self-admit that like i do this too it's just it's just what happens but having being trans you know like when you have those thoughts you're like okay or maybe he'll be non-binary and be a trumpist i don't know 
Yeah, like something that I wouldn't think of, right? Like, what do I know, right? Um, so, and then I think as far as like society as a whole, accepting trans people, right? Wait, let's, like, I have a question real quick. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, no. What is, is a Trumpist someone who plays the trumpet or votes for Trump? <laughs> That's a good question. It is I because was, I'm, I have two different I feelings. Of, <laughs> I was thinking of the instrument. Okay, good, good. We're, I'm okay with that instrument. <laughs> I don't even know if trumpet is a word. So if there is somebody who professionally plays like the horn instrument, the trumpet, I'm sorry. They'll correct us. We'll, we'll get an email. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I love to be corrected. So like, please, like, that's, I feel like the best way to learn is when someone like, you know, kind of says like, hey, that's not actually right. And you're like, oh, okay, I'll never do that again. Thank you. Um, so, uh and then the second part of your question was uh, revolved around the concept of like, how do we get like non-trans people to see us as people? Is that what the second kind of question was? Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, that's just exposure. Mm -hmm. And I, there's, so there, I think there's two sides of the coin. One coin, one side is exposure. Most times when people meet me, cause I look, I'm very, like, I'm white, I'm cis passing, right? So, like, people don't assume that I'm trans. Um, I have a wife and a kid. So I, I look like your cisgender, heteronormative white guy, right? So, like, I'm welcome into a lot of spaces that people who don't look like me would not be welcomed into, right? So I think the, the, the best part is that I'm very open and I never... I mean, unless it's a safety issue, I'm always telling people that I'm trans. I mean, it's just, I, again, unless it's a safety issue, which most times I'm just not talking and I'm not going to those types of places, right? But if I just meet someone out and about, I'm like, oh, I'm trans, or I have a shirt, or like, it's very clear that there's something going on, right? Um, and I feel like sometimes if they get to know me, then it kind of opens this door of like, oh, well, I've never met a trans person before. And like, you just seem like, you know, like, I think they think of us as abnormal. So when they meet, like, when they actually meet you and they find out, oh, like, you're just a person who has a job and, like, has a kid and has all the exact same things that non-trans people go through, I think it kind of brings it to a more, like, it's, it's just that exposure. That, I mean, I think that's why, you know, whether you like them or not, like, uh, Harvey Milk was like, come out, come out wherever you are, because, like, people need to learn that everyone knows a gay person. It's just that people don't think they do because we're all hiding in the closets, yeah. right? And so it was like, when you find out that this person that you've known for the last 12 years is gay and you didn't know it, it kind of flips something. It, it doesn't make it so different. It doesn't make it so abnormal. It actually normalizes it, I think. So there's the normalization and exposure, right? Um, and then there's like the elitism of just, if you're different and I'm better and the more different I can make you, the more normal I can make myself. And I think that's, I think we, I think because of social media, it's more of that than it is the exposure. Cause anyone can go search hashtag transgender and find a bunch of trans people, whether they look like me or don't look like me or on the gender spectrum, like as non-binary or binary. You know what I mean? Like you can find the array of colors, but, but I think also, also be careful doing that search because you may find a lot of pictures that 
are not safe for work, so don't do that search <laughs> on your work computer. <laughs> yes, yes. Also, like, do a double search. It's like, like, what is it? NSFW or whatever it is, like, not safe for work. Um, so that's true, too. Um, so I don't think the exposure is necessarily the bigger obstacle in this moment. Um, I think it's more of, like, like, somebody wants to feel better than another person. I really think it just kind of comes down to that because it's like no matter how how whatever's going on in my life like at least I don't have any trans kids or you know what I mean something like that which I've, I've heard that uh, I've heard that argument before and I think that there is a specific name for it and Abby you know our Oz uh, our wizard of Oz today if you happen to know what that's called when you do that to someone or when you feel that way definitely chime in but um, yeah because I have talked to somebody else about that where you know even within marginalized groups of society one marginalized group might put down another marginalized group um, to, to not feel quite as marginalized and I know I said marginalized way too many times but it is a, a real thing that that happens, um, and I and I have a I have a shameful admission um, here, but and but and I'm just going to go ahead and tell you I have even though I look the way I do and I look like a big white dude if you if you saw me in in person and I've had people tell me I look intimidating which is ridiculous to me, um, but I am not very comfortable with men especially in one-on-one -on -one or in-person situations. I, I've always felt intimidated by men. And so when I, when I first started looking into you as a potential guest, because I've always loved hearing you speak, and, I, and it went from, okay, I really love this guy, to am I actually going to talk to this guy? I, I was all of a sudden like, oh, my God, am, am I going to be comfortable talking to Aiden because he's a man and you just you've you've got this just super you know man's man kind of build and you're just ripped and you've got the amazing facial hair that I could never grow. I'm and not as ripped as you keep saying I just I feel like I need <laughs> to put that out there. Uh, <laughs> I've seen the pictures all right you can't lie about this but but you know but then listening to you talk as soon as, as soon as someone listens to you talk, or I shouldn't say someone, I should say me, as soon as I listen to you talk, I just, I feel so at ease because you're just so open and, and you're not, you don't have all of that, that weird toxic crap that sometimes comes along with, with the masculine identities. You're just, you're just a, a good person. And I really appreciate that. And I hope that more guys who are growing up will see you and be like, Hey, I can be like Aiden. I don't have to be a jerk to mm. people to be this awesome dude. Mm. Um, but that was my shameful ad admission. And uh, no, I, mean, I, I, I apologize. <laughs> no, I mean, first of all, it's very kind of you. You've been very sweet this whole time. And I think I know, and I've, I, don't, I didn't always know this, but I've learned that I look like a lot of people's, like I look like somebody who maybe bullied them or you know like I, I don't I don't I, I, I look like I could be that maybe you know a-hole jock that like you know shoved you in the locker or something like I know that if I don't like that could be how I come off to people and so 
I try to remember that, like, because I'm like a cancer. So when I hear that someone doesn't like me, I'm like, why don't they like me? What did I do? What do you think I did wrong? <laughs> right? Like, I'm very concerned. Like, I don't want you, to, you don't have to be my best friend, but I'm like, did I hurt you? Like, did I say, like, I'm very, you know. Um, so I've had to kind of learn that, like, you know, just my look could potentially mean that someone just, you know, they don't feel comfortable with me. And so I, I try to respect that and not take it personal. But at the same time, what you what you were saying which I think I've kind of been learning is that like like masculinity itself is not toxic but there are many many forms of toxic masculinity and so I've had to work through that myself of just like well like am I just like some toxic dude or like am I not and and even when you were like oh you know some people think I'm like they're scared by me when you say that I'm just like you know uh, or when I hear that someone thinks I, you know, do look like they're a bully or something, which I have been told, um, which was hard to hear, but a great conversation to learn from. And um, I, I was just kind of like, I'm always just like, my first bit thought is like, girl, do you know me? Like, have you met me? Like, we need to talk. Like, we need to talk this out. Because I like, like so, so many people say, like, oh, you look like such a man's man. And I'm like, what? Like, I'm always curious, like, why? Because I don't feel my my own insecurities are like I don't feel like um I look like a man's man and maybe that's just my own just dis- like you know what I mean I don't I don't know I I don't that's, picture myself that way <laughs> you you look at, you look like a man's man but it's but it's it's more of a whole package thing your look your looks are only half of this this whole package it's your personality that really brings together who you are as a man I think and. But that's the problem when you only see pictures of someone, right. you, you develop this, this image of them that may be false or this idea of them. And, you know, we, we all do it. I mean, I think it's, it's tough to get around that, but, but that's a conversation that could take a, an hour on its own. Right. But, uh, Which I'm happy to have in the yeah, future. Yes. I, like that, I mean, perception, uh, right. I mean, like, yeah. Yeah. That, like ownership is nine tenths of law. Like, I feel like perception is nine tenths relationships or yes. like, you know what I mean? Um, how you perceive someone. I think so many things. I mean, I guess it's kind of like judging, yeah. but it's almost, it's almost, I think so many people go, go to, Oh, you're judging them. When I think it's how we perceive mm-hmm. that comes before the judgment. I feel like judging is usually when you see someone take an action or say something, what the action might be physical action or verbal action, and then you judge or, or you know what I mean? But I think perception comes before the judgment. Like, yeah. like oh, like I, I knew somebody in high school who dressed like that and you know, mm-hmm. he, w- he was this kind of way. So when I perceive you and I see you dressing that way, I think of that same person, right? And so now my perception of you has changed before I've actually talked to you. Okay, that that, and I, yes, and that you're, a hundred percent spot on spot on with that and uh and i've had a, a great conversation with a therapist with with my therapist about that same exact thing oh yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> like because you know being being afraid to to tell people you know hey i'm i'm nb i'm a i'm a trans person and and assuming or already having in my head this horrible situation that's going to happen and actually feeling all the tension that I'm going to feel without even knowing that that's how the situation is going to go. I've just, I've, I've uh, made it happen. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I want to, I want to jump off that because you only have a couple minutes left with us. I know. And I really want to talk a little bit about your business because 
you're a man who kind of does a lot of different things. You know, you, you have your coaching <laughs> business. And, which one? What are we well, saying? <laughs> well, you do so much, but then it's not just it, or at least it doesn't seem from the outside to me, like it doesn't seem like it's just about making a profit, what you're doing. It seems like you're also providing support to the queer community. Could you tell us a little, kind of a little bit about this, this business model where you're a successful business person, but you're also, you know, supporting the community? How does that work? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, it works with like, you know, I think what I had to do was I was very concerned about um, in any business or any way I've made money, I've always been very concerned about recognizing that the only reason I can do what I do is because of the community. And so I've always felt like I don't want to take, right? Like I don't want to take from the community. I always, I've always wanted to give back to the community, which is like great. And it's led me to like realizing and like literally like having a nonprofit where you, many years were like, we gave away more money than I had even made that year. So it was like, and I literally, I had a good friend of mine sit me down and say like, like I, this was a, literally a conversation we had before a big event. Um, and he sat me down and shout out to DJ because he helped me realize some things. He was like, I know what, like, I love what you're doing, but like, he also does my taxes. And he was like, I don't know how you're paying your bills right now because you're, you're not like, you, you're not making money. And like, I feel like, you know, you have, you've been, I know you want to have a family and like, I know you want to like buy a house and, and like, you know, progress in your life in which the way I do, right. Like my version of that. And he's like, it's, it's just not, it's not happening for you. And you've been doing this for like five, six years now. And like something has got to change. Um, and so I, I, I had to kind of go through my own self-worth of like, you know what, like, like even when you first did the intro, you're like, oh, like you, you call yourself this. And it's like, that was my reflection of like, yeah, see Aiden, like you're still not really valuing yourself um, for maybe what you're providing. Um, so I have a lot of like, that's a lot of my inner work that I've been doing for years and I'm still going to be doing, um, I'm sure. And hopefully I can get to a point where I, I see my value at, as what it is. Um, and so like, that's kind of, so what I do is like, I focus on helping people and I try to make it so that now <laughs> I've learned that like I, I need like to financially be secure as well. And I've started to remind myself that like, I don't have to be just Bezos, right? Like you don't have to make a billion dollars every second, but like you need to like be financially secure so that you can help people, right? So that if so that if I want to coach someone for free, I can't. And it's not like I can't coach. If I want to do something, if I want to give money to this black trans nonprofit, I can. If I want to, you know, just whatever I want to do that's helping the community, like, you know, like we have these uh, laws here trying to get these bills trying to be passed here in Texas, uh, these anti-trans bills, anti-trans in sports. Um, and, you know, I like couldn't go to sit and testify. So I just like called up Ricardo from uh, Quality Texas. And I was like, hey, like, are you guys, like the Italian in me was like, are you guys hungry? Like you've been there for like seven hours. You've got to be hungry. Like, let me feed you. Let me do something. You know what I mean? Um, and it's like, you know, going and, and spending the money on feeding, you know, 35 people. Like I, I wouldn't be able to do that if I 
hadn't gotten my act together and I was constantly giving. And like a lot of times it would be like, oh, you know, um, like a lot of the stuff I did too, I would do it for free. And then all of a sudden I started learning like, wait a second, like they should be paying me? Like I should be paid to do this thing or they should be paying me to be in this magazine or do this photo shoot? Cause it was always like, well, you're the first one. We're giving you exposure. Like, and then at some point I had to be like, yeah, but like exposure doesn't like put food on my table. Like, cause you think like getting followers on Instagram doesn't pay my bills. That's not how my bills get paid, right? Um, unless you wanna be an influencer in the sense of where you make your money and now you're at the feet of all these companies, right? Um, which I've been there and that doesn't feel good either. Um, so I know this is like a spin around tornado of what you were talking about, but um, I think at the end of the day, like I have had to learn my own value and, you know, I think there's a perception because of my followers that I have, I have had a lot of money or that I have right now a lot of money or anything like that. Um, and I think it's more about what you were saying before about like, I just try to be a happy guy and so I don't talk a lot about financial barriers or struggles because I don't want to focus on that. I just, I want to keep working and do things I love to do. And I have this nonprofit where I, you know, it's a 100%, everybody is 100% volunteer. We're all putting in at minimum of like 10 to 15 hours a week into this thing. Um, and, you know, we, I get to show up in that way. Right. And like, I get to give back in that way. And my social media, I see as a form of like, you know, giving back and um, answering DMs. And um, so, so it's, it, and I'm not like a business guru. I couldn't, you know, like, <laughs> I couldn't um, necessarily tell anybody how to become uberly successful in this financial sector. But I always did some things that I knew were right, that I would feel good about. And like, I could lay my head down at night knowing that, like, I don't have that, you know, whatever people try to get in the, like, a fancy car, right? Like, maybe I'll just use that as an example. But, like, I know that what I did today was the right thing to do. I know that I was supposed to give that money that I made to this thing. Or I know that I should have given this return. Or I should have reset this thing. Or I know that that school couldn't afford this rate. So I gave a cheaper rate. And that feels good to me. So, you know, just trying to do the right thing. Um, I love it. And that's, that's all, that's the best we can possibly hope for is, is going to bed at night feeling like you did right that day. Right. But Aiden, you've been, you've been amazing. And I know you have other clients you need to see today. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to me. Uh, thank you, Jay. I've appreciated this call. And listen, like, like I said, if you want to have that other conversation, Hit me up. Let's do yeah. it again. This was great. Well, I, I really appreciated it. We're going to set up another show with you for, for sure. And thank you so much to everyone who's watching. Thank you, Rebecca Jonesy, for sponsoring the show and, and keeping me going. Thanks, Rebecca. And thanks, Rebecca. <laughs> and thank you, Abby, for producing the show behind the scenes. I know you're, not, I know you're hiding, but uh, I do appreciate it. And to all of you watching and listening, um, until next time, stay safe and stay strong. Bye. <laughs>